Hi everyone and welcome back to the Purposeful Provision podcast. I'm here today with Rachel Mackay and we're going to talk all about storytelling. So hi Rachel, welcome. Hi James, hi James, thank you for having me. It's nice to have you. So Rachel, could you tell us a little bit about yourself please? Yes, I am a Senko in a lovely independent prep school and preschool in North Yorkshire, uh, working with children from 2 to 11. Um, early years at heart, that's where my, my experience was. I was a teacher in a state school in nursery reception and then to year one and two. And I now also run, uh, in my spare time, Wilburn Flops, which started off as face-to-face classes for preschool children to develop language and storytelling and all those pre-phonics elements that they they really need to experience before they go to school. So that's where where I am still. Fantastic, thank you. So today we're going to talk all about storytelling. So um, I've been doing some work with people on social media and in person on storytelling and you reached out Rachel to talk about a particular strategy. So should we start off just thinking about what storytelling is to you please? Yes, storytelling to me is um, it's magical, exciting and theatrical. It's, it's conveying a message um, through words and pictures and actions. It's with a book, without a book, it's made up, it's uh, passed on, it just comes from all all different angles and it's so, so very important, probably the most important thing I think that we can provide children in their early years. Absolutely. Would you, I mean, in terms of the way storytelling is working at the moment, would you say that the pandemic has had much of an effect in terms of um, our perception of storytelling just because when you were saying that I was thinking actually that my last class they it's almost as if a lot of the skills associated with storytelling seem to have sort of dropped off the edge of the earth a little bit when the pandemic hit is that something you've experienced yourself? Um, I'm not sure because stories are part of my work and part of what I do with my own children as well. My, my eldest is ten and a half, and he can't see an end to his bedtime story just yet. <laughs> I'm ready to move on now. It's getting near nine o'clock. Um, but um, I think the the number of stories children have had and experienced might be less if they've been at home. There are lots of wonderful families who um, you know do read to their children, but there are families that don't know that you need to do that, and that you know the experienced children get from that so we've got children coming into preschool with lots of different backgrounds lots of different experiences some with lots of story uh, experience and some with very little Mm. it does make all the difference doesn't it in terms of how you're able to interact with them in the setting um lovely so in terms of a strategy to support storytelling what is it you'd like to talk about today i'd like to talk about using audiobooks Fab. So when I think of an audiobook, I think of Audible. I think of driving in my car. I think of using an audiobook because I can't sit and read at the time. So what do you mean by using audiobooks? I mean attaching children to a drip and language feeding in uh, to their imagination, to their uh, to their brains, they're listening, they're enjoying, they're loving. 
it doesn't replace a story snuggled up on the sofa or at bedtime or in the book corner in the nursery or you know that that live uh, telling tell of a story by an adult but um audiobooks support that they enhance it not only for the children but for the adults as well a lot of adults might be nervous about using their story voice you know we want to say that the big bad wolf is coming and sometimes you're a bit nervous reading out loud especially if other adults are listening it's easy to do it with no other adults there um but to have that modeled through listening to audiobooks with the children it's a bit like free cpd isn't it but um you've got somebody giving you that example I know that the Julia Donaldson, am I allowed to mention names? Um, yes, you can. That's fine. The audiobooks were amazing for my own children. We had them in the car. Um, I will be honest, my husband never played them in his car, but <laughs> it happened in mum's car all the time. Um, and, you know, I found myself using that story language in school and with the children that I work with and with my own children. Um, and the children will pick it up as well. They will start to say things, that, you know, such as, oh, it's a squash and a squeeze in here, um, relating that vocabulary from the story to real life. And you can do that too. Uh, Shark in the Dark was a favourite of ours. Um, Peter Bentley and that would be my husband would say I've come a long way I need food in my tummy and bringing those words to life out of the story. Lovely so thinking about you mentioned there about how some practitioners might feel a little bit uncomfortable yeah. about sort of being that very active storyteller and I, and I get that myself I, I've worked in big teams where I, I know certain members of staff aren't as comfortable as others um, and so you're saying that having a, an audiobook where it's already pre-recorded it, it gives it's, it gives all the elements required for storytelling without the onus being on the practitioner to perform is that what you're saying? Yes, and I would hope that they would still read books with the children, but they might feel more comfortable doing it if they've heard it being read by somebody else and heard it being modelled. Mm-hmm. And you know, picking up, I know when we, we had the troll quite a lot, that's another Julia Donaldson one, and who's that trip wrapping over my bridge? And um, just the way you say that is different if you've heard it being said a lot of times, you start to find yourself copying and children do it too. In terms of using audiobooks, could you break it down for us? Can you break down into individual steps how practitioners might embed this strategy in their practice? Yes, I think first of all, having real books available, um, regardless of the age of the children, having that as normal practice and that we snuggle up and share a story, um, books they're familiar with, perhaps introducing others as well. And then when choosing audiobooks, it's important to uh, to know the story, first of all, I, I think there is some magic in practitioners um, experiencing it for the first time too. But I think to be on the safe side, you need to know the content of the, the story and, and that the children might like it. Um, so finding audiobooks from CDs, uh, perhaps bought online or in shops or from charity shops. Um, Amazon Storytime, you can play that on uh, your speaker devices. But a little couple of little warnings there. One is they are all in, in American accents. Um, nothing wrong there at all, but you might have some children who watch a lot of YouTube at home and copy the accents um, from there too. So try and be very accent. Um, free audiobooks are available from the library. Um, with your library card, they brought that out in lockdown that you could access them, and I believe lots of them still still have that provision. Um, and then um, streaming services as well. You can often find some 
on there um, and Audible to purchase. So knowing the story and then perhaps playing it quietly in the book corner or an appropriate area of the nursery, maybe having it on at lunchtime um, and just having having that there to see if it sparks any interest or perhaps after a, a relaxation time or a quiet time, everybody sit down together and have a listen. The children, I would say, wouldn't have to sit and listen quite often. They'll want to potter or be doing something else, but knowing that it's quiet time and we're going to, you know, we're going to give this a try. Definitely having it in the car. Um, or in the, the bus if, if settings have a, a minibus or, or vehicle that they use. Um, they might become quite excited about when that's going to play and which one is it today. Um, then repetition is hugely important. So uh, the same story over and over so that the children start to pick up those language structures. Um, they know the story well, they know what's coming, they can be excited, they might start to join in and say some of the things they might be um, going on a bear hunt and going to catch a big one and um, following her and Clary and bottomy pots and going out through all of those. Um, and then allowing the children to access them themselves if they're old enough to do that. They can pop the CD in and press play or they can control the speaker. They all know how to control our phones, so I'm sure they'll be able to do that. Um, and then sharing with parents so that they know what stories you've been using. They can do that at home. The more the children hear it, the, the, the better it is in developing their language and their understanding. Um, so perhaps through online learning journeys or a notice board or newsletter, um, maybe having links to the resources so that parents can access those at home as well. Um, photographs, perhaps if the children have joined in, a lovely video or capture their faces of the excitement just to bring the stories to life. And then from there, building audiobooks into everyday practice, supporting that storytelling, having the real stories, the real books and the snuggle up time, but having audiobooks as part of your ongoing provision. Um, and then resourcing them with props and pictures and fancy dress and uh, resources to, to help the children bring those stories to life. They can play the story and act it out as well as it goes along. That's fantastic, Rachel. I think that's really useful um, sort of breaking that down for practitioners because I think sometimes when people say to us, oh, you should be doing X, Y, Z in a setting, practitioners often feel overwhelmed. And, you know, some practitioners will start off and they'll just put it out straight away. But you've broken it down in such a way that, that I think will make it very useful, but also have lasting impact for, for the children and for the practitioners. Um, I love that you mentioned about using the local library and different ways to access our stories and it's really a good point you mentioned about American accents now you're right they're still relevant and still useful um but it's also it's it's very obvious when some stories are told with a very strong American accent it's important that we recognize that and recognize that we should be mixing that up where possible um and you also mentioned about props at the end and I'm just going to unpick that a little bit more if that's okay because one of the things that I'm working on at the moment is asking practitioners to use more open-ended prompts so mm -hmm. rather than having say like a a wolf and a little red riding hood doll that looks exactly like little red riding hood is there a way to have it as a more open-ended experience is this something that you've encountered yourself um yes i think there is a tendency isn't there, to think back to the story sack and it has all the things that you need to tell that story um but there's there's always that 
aspect of why can't the fire engine go in the water tray or um, you know taking things from one place to another so perhaps using fabric um, so that the children can become those characters in their own way and use their imagination to do that rather than a wolf costume uh, would be a, a good thing to do um, making pictures of the story with your loose parts and um, you know, adults modelling that as well so that they've got that starting point but allowing the children to use their own imaginations there to, to develop and portray that story in their their actions and their words. Fab. Rachel, thank you so much. You've been so useful and I think that's going to add a lot of impact to practitioners. Before we finish, um, what is the best way for people to reach you? Do you have a preferred social media platform? Do you have a website? Is there any way that people can reach you if they want to ask you any more questions? Yes, of course. Um, I use Facebook and Instagram. My uh, page is Wilbur and Flops, so just at Wilbur and Flops, um, W-I-L-B-U-R. Uh, and F-L-O-P-S. Um, I do have a website as well. It's a, a Wix website, um, but it's a really long link, so I can send that <laughs> separately. Um, and um, you can send me a, a messenger message or an email through through any of those. I'd love to hear from you. Fab. I'll make sure that I put the link in with the podcast as well in the footnotes so people can access it. So thank you very much. Um, best of luck. Enjoy the rest of your summer. Thank you. Thank you, and you. Thank you. Bye.